Chapter 70 of White Jacket or The World in a Man of War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. White Jacket or The World in a Man of War by Herman Melville. Chapter 70 monthly muster round the capstan besides general quarters and the regular morning and evening quarters for prayers on board the neversink on the first sunday of every month we had a grand muster round the capstan when we passed in solemn review before the captain and officers who closely scanned our frocks and trousers to see whether they were according to the navy cut in some ships, every man is required to bring his bag and hammock along for inspection. This ceremony requires its chief solemnity, and to a novice is rendered even terrible by the reading of the articles of war by the captain's clerk before the assembled ship's company, who, in testimony of their enforced reverence for the code, stand bareheaded till the last sentence is pronounced. To a mere amateur reader, the quiet perusal of these articles of war would be attended with some nervous emotions. Imagine, then, what my feelings must have been when, with my hat deferentially in my hand, I stood before my lord and master, Captain Claret, and heard these articles read as the law and gospel, the infallible, unappealable dispensation and code whereby I lived and moved and had my being on board of the United States ship Never Sink. Of some twenty offences, made penal, that a seaman may commit, and which are specified in this code, thirteen are punishable by death. Shall suffer death. This was the burden of nearly every article read by the captain's clerk, for he seemed to have been instructed to omit the longer articles, and only present those which were brief and to the point. Shall suffer death. The repeated announcement falls on your ear like the intermitting discharge of artillery. After it has been repeated again and again, you listen to the reader as he deliberately begins a new paragraph. You hear him reciting the involved but comprehensive and clear arrangement of the sentence, detailing all possible particulars of the offence described, and you breathlessly await whether that clause also is going to be concluded by the discharge of the terrible minute-gun, when, lo, it again booms on your ear, shall suffer death. No reservations, no contingencies, not the remotest promise of pardon or reprieve, not a glimpse of commutation of the sentence, all hope and consolation is shut out, shall suffer death. That is the simple fact for you to digest, and it is a tougher morsel, believe White Jacket when he says it, than a forty-two-pound cannonball. But there is a glimmering of an alternative to the sailor who infringes these articles. Some of them thus terminates shall suffer death, or 
such punishment as a court-martial shall adjudge. But hence this at a penalty still more serious? Perhaps it means death, or worse punishment. Your honors of the Spanish Inquisition, Loyola and Torquemada, produce, reverend gentlemen, your most secret code, and match these articles of war, if you can. Jack Ketch, you also are experienced in these things. Thou most benevolent of mortals, who standest by us and hangest round our necks when all the rest of this world are against us, tell us, hangman, what punishment is this, horribly hinted at, as being worse than death? Is it upon an empty stomach to read the articles of war every morning for the term of one's natural life? Or is it to be imprisoned in a cell, with its walls papered from floor to ceiling, with printed copies, in italics, of these articles of war? But it needs not to dilate upon the pure, bubbling milk of human kindness and Christian charity, and forgiveness of injuries which pervade this charming document, so thoroughly imbued as a Christian code, with the benignant spirit of the Sermon on the Mount. But as it is very nearly alike in the foremost states of Christendom, and as it is nationally set forth by those states, it indirectly becomes an index to the true condition of the present civilization of the world. As month after month I would stand bareheaded among my shipmates and hear this document read, I have thought to myself, Well, well, White Jacket, you are in a sad box indeed, but prick your ears, there goes another minute gun. It admonishes you to take all bad usage in good part, and never to join in any public meeting that may be held on the gun-deck for a redress of grievances. Listen. Article 13. If any person in the Navy shall make, or attempt to make, any mutinous assembly, he shall, on conviction thereof by a court-martial, suffer death. Bless me, white jacket, are you a great gun yourself, that you so recoil to the extremity of your breechings at that discharge? But give ear again. Here goes another minute-gun. It indirectly admonishes you to receive the grossest insult, and stand still under it. Article 14. No private in the Navy shall disobey the lawful orders of his superior officer, or strike him, or draw, or offer to draw, or raise any weapon against him while in the execution of the duties of his office on pain of death. Do not hang back there by the bulwarks, White Jacket. Come up to the mark once more, for here goes still another minute gun, which admonishes you never to be caught napping. Part of Article 20. If any person in the Navy shall sleep upon his watch, he shall suffer death. Murderous. But then, in time of peace, they do not enforce these bloodthirsty laws? Do they not, indeed? What happened to those three sailors on board an American armed vessel a few years ago, quite within your memory, White Jacket? 
yea while you yourself were yet serving on board this very frigate the neversink what happened to those three americans white jacket those three sailors even as you who once were alive but now are dead shall suffer death those were the three words that hung those three sailors have a care then have a care lest you come to a sad end even the end of a rope lest with a black and blue throat you turn a dumb diver after pearl shells put to bed forever and tucked in in your own hammock at the bottom of the sea and there you will lie white jacket while hostile navies are playing cannonball billiards over your grave by the mainmast then in a time of profound peace i am subject to the cut-throat martial law and when my own brother who happens to be dwelling ashore and does not serve his country as i am now doing when he is at liberty to call personally upon the president of the united states and express his disapprobation of the whole national administration here am i liable at any time to be run up at the yard-arm with a necklace made by no jeweller round my neck a hard case truly white jacket but it cannot be helped yes you live under this same martial law does not everything around you din the fact in your ears twice every day do you not jump to your quarters at the sound of a drum every morning in port are you not roused from your hammock by the reveille and sent to it again at nightfall by the tattoo every sunday are you not commanded in the mere matter of the very dress you shall wear through that blessed day can your shipmates so much as drink their tot of grog nay can they even drink but a cup of water at the scuttlebutt without an armed sentry standing over them does not every officer wear a sword instead of a cane you live and move among twenty-four pounders white jacket the very cannon-balls are deemed an ornament around you serving to embellish the hatchways and should you come to die at sea white jacket still two cannon-balls would bear you company when you would be committed to the deep yea by all methods and devices and inventions you are momentarily admonished of the fact that you live under the articles of war and by virtue of them it is white jacket that without a hearing and without a trial you may at a wink from the captain be condemned to the scourge speak you true then let me fly nay white jacket the landless horizon hoops you in some tempest then surge all the sea against us hidden reefs and rocks arise and dash the ships to chips i was not born a serf and will not live a slave quick corkscrew whirlpool suck us down worlds in us. nay white jacket though this frigate laid her broken bones upon the antarctic shores of palmer's land though not two planks adhered though all her guns were spiked by swordfish blades and at her yawning hatchways mouth-yawning sharks swam in and out yet should you escape the wreck and scramble to the beach this martial law 
would meet you still and snatch you by the throat. Hark. Article 42, Part of Section 3. In all cases where the crews of the ships or vessels of the United States shall be separated from their vessels by the latter being wrecked, lost, or destroyed, all the command, power, and authority given to the officers of such ships or vessels shall remain and be in full force as effectually as if such ship or vessel were not so wrecked, lost, or destroyed. Hear you that, White Jacket. I tell you there is no escape. Afloat or wrecked, the martial law relaxes not its gripe. And though, by that self-same warrant, for some offense therein set down, you were indeed to suffer death, even then the martial law might hunt you straight through the other world, and out again at its other end, following you through all eternity, like an endless thread on the inevitable track of its own point, passing unnumbered needles through. End of chapter 70 Recording by James K. White Chula Vista